0: Does your bike need some love? Shimano original replacement parts are the best way to renew the original function of your Shimano-equipped bike. Available online and at your local retailer.
1: From Red Kite Prayer, this is the baseline—the podcast on two wheels. I am Celine Yeager, and with me is my co-host Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. What's happening, Patrick? Uh,
0: well, today is mostly recovery, I'd say. I, uh, you know, we haven't talked about it in a while. Uh, I had my final in-office ketamine session with my counselors yesterday.
1: I did not even know you were still doing that.
0: Um, and I won't say, you know, not final, final, but like final for now. Uh mm-hmm. I can continue to do home sessions as I need. Uh but this was the last time I am going to see them in their office for some time to come, you know, until I feel like, "Oh, I really need some help again." Uh mm-hmm. It was really educational. I finally found out that yes, you can go out too far. Uh there's there's an orbit there's a there's an orbit that's not quite as helpful as some of the others. Um it got Are you talking dosages? Mm-hmm. What are you talking? Yeah. Okay. Dosage okay. level. Uh they did this one in two parts. It uh there was an initial kind of sizable injection mm-hmm. and then twelve minutes later they followed up with another. And I was having a very very rewarding, I'll call it, uh series of interactions with people in my life that was I, I Mm, uh, bringing certain peace I don't want to say closure, but, Mm -hmm. but helping to, to shape my affinity for those people. Um, and then I got the second injection and because you dissociate from your body, uh, in ketamine, I never actually Mm -hmm. felt the injection. What I felt was an acceleration, like I'd been stuck in a Bugatti Veyron. I've heard people talk about that
1: really? uh, Joe rogan uh, yes uh, the only person you'd ever hear talk about is Joe Rogan, of course, but he um he described as something
0: almost exactly like that i this is the first time I've ever had that happen uh it, it yeah, it was just everything that was happening suddenly happened much, much faster, and hmm. i I suddenly got in some insight into previous sessions that I'd done where It just felt like I was moving through things too quickly, too quickly Mm -hmm. to remember, too quickly to process. Mm -hmm. And I now recognize that as, oh, the dosage was just a little too high,
1: but I couldn't quite
0: tell that. Now I know in Mm -hmm. the future, as I do sessions, I know that I'll want a lower dosage than I've been at recently. Anyway, all that aside... There are these forms that you fill out when you go in for an appointment. There's the Hamilton anxiety, whatever Mm -hmm. measure, and a few others. And as I was going through and marking my state, you know, how are you? How's your sleep? Uh, How's Mm -hmm. your anxiety level? All these things. I'm marking zeros like there. I'm not experiencing those symptoms at all in my life. Zeros and i'm staring at the form i actually took photos of them because i wanted to save them i just right. i couldn't believe how low my scores were best case scenario what i wanted for myself beginning this process i would not have dared dream of this wow my life ain't perfect it's not peaches and roses and diamonds but nobody's is i've traded up for a much better set of problems yeah yeah, uh, and it's it's one of those things. I continue to be amazed that I hear from people reaching out to me, asking advice, asking more about my perspective on it, or just thanking me for inspiring them to go get help. Which is, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think, humbling. Try really gets at that, but it's it's been very gratifying, and it has filled me with a certain sense of responsibility. And the social contract that I never, ever saw coming. And so for all those who have realized some gain in their life as a result of me sharing something. Mm-hmm. Cheers to them. Golly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, what, that's
1: what we're all here for. I mean, I really believe that. I mean, I I had somebody very out of the blue reach out to me today and, and say, could you give me a call? And and I this is not someone I ever talk on the phone with. I, I know him through bikes and bike racing uh and he uh you know he he said he has heard uh discussions on depression and you know seeing me post about it too often with reference to like our shows or whatever and he's going through a super tough time i mean he he doesn't want to get on his bike and you know, like a series of events have led him to be, it's definitely episodal. You know, it's definitely like a series of events had put him in a place he's never been. Uh-huh. And he keeps trying to rationalize himself out of it. You know, like, mm-hmm. like, my life's not that bad. It's not as bad as that guy's. I mean, like, why don't I want to ride? I'm like, you are depressed. <laughs> you know, and you, and I, and he just needed someone to tell him, like, treat it like you have the flu. You know, like sometimes it's, it's a physical manifestation that is what is what you, you know what you're going through in your life, and it's okay to go to your doctor and be like, "Dude, you know." And you can. I have plenty of friends who just get help for brief periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's not the, it's the same as what you know. You needed a bigger plan because you've been dealing with a. a Ser- you know a more serious issue for a longer time but there's it's all on a scale it's all on a right you know there's a big umbrella and you know some people do fine just get on some paxil or get on something for a while right the boat and then they're then they they can sail for a good bit especially if it's been brought on by something sure. you know that you can pinpoint and go okay this has got me in a tailspin
0: yeah yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, it was a process of very gradual discovery. I thought I was in something reasonably episodic. And it took right. clearing all that away and then still struggling with some stuff to realize, right. oh, wait a second. <laughs> the carpet has been stained my whole life.
1: <laughs> well, and I, you know, I explained to him, I think the sinister part of depression is that you can, is that your your brain is still functioning enough that you're you're trying to rationalize it you know mm-hmm. i mean it's a, it's a, such a strange thing so just like you know like you wouldn't even hesitate if you were if if you had anything else if you had that your insulin was off or anything you know like you wouldn't think twice like your your brain is just part of you You yeah. know, so stop treating it like it's this other entity <laughs> you know we're just a bag of chemicals in many ways and uh yeah they they get they can go a little bit awry But yeah, I mean, when when he said I don't want to ride anymore, I was just like, okay, like if the bike is bringing you no joy and you don't want to get on your bike, that you know, yeah, yeah, you
0: (laughs) may be stressed, (laughs) you might
1: have something, yes. So uh, wow, yeah, so it it was it was good, it was nice. Uh, I'm glad he reached out, and I'm glad that this kind of you know these these conversations have tentacles and they have very long tentacles, and you know. I'm glad to have people pulled into the orbit.
0: That's great. Of, yeah, that's yeah. really great. Yeah, so. cool. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so how are you?
1: <laughs> I am. I am good. I'm well. Um, I'm. Um, I, I found I have found myself. I'm going to land run. Uh, that's what I will. Not land run. Mid South. Mid South. It's going to take a while for all of us, Bobby. Sorry to like <laughs> get the name get the name straight. Yeah, when we were at Gravel Camp, he's like, "Oh, come on, come on. You know, I just want to show you what it's all about." And you know, I've written about it and I've interviewed people about it, and I have not actually I've been to Oklahoma. I've not actually ridden the Mid South. So uh, I took him up on it and. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm also uh, fairly apprehensive. I I would say, <laughs> you know, not because it's long, just because I, for people who know or don't know, I mean the the roads there are that you know beautiful dirt, red dirt that when they get wet they turn into pottery. Then you could make like a hut out of it, and maybe you <laughs> want to make a hut because <laughs> because you're going to be out there for a while. Um... You know and it's March, so the weather is super capricious. You know, and and within the same day, even I, it it's not that long ago, it's three years ago, two thousand seventeen. The uh, my friend, a couple of my friends were down there, and it was forecast to get into the forties, maybe even the fifties, and it never left the thirties and never stopped raining. Oh and yeah, eighty percent of the field pulled the plug, which is enormous. That's an enormous rate of attrition for any event.
0: I mean, that's like a few of the spring classics way. I mean, there was the year, like almost everybody quit Liege, Bastogne Liege. I want to say it was 83. It was snowing. Yeah. Yeah. You just, yeah. Those are the, you know, remember the year. Those are those, those epic one-offs.
1: That is a definitely remember the year. I mean, there can be, there have definitely been years sort of like Kansas where people are trudging for quite a while, but you know, not that level of sort of just out of here, DNF, going to the hospital for hypothermia. I like that a lot of people ended up at the emergency room, like just totally hypothermic. So so I'd like that for not to happen And <laughs> I go. I would prefer that to not be the case. Um, okay. So I've been thinking a lot about how to prepare for the worst and hope for the best, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And you usually say those things in the opposite order, but I'm deliberately putting them in that order. I am putting the worst before the best just to keep it front and center of, yeah. uh, of my, yeah. Of my consciousness. You know, I sort of like I'm doing a little research, crafting a plan. Uh, I'm going to definitely, I'm going alone, which is always interesting to these things, you know? Um, yeah, I do that a fair amount. I go alone and sometimes it's cool. And sometimes I get down there and I'm like, oh, I'm really alone, you know? So I'm hoping that cause there's being alone and then there's being going down and just finding a tribe that I didn't even know was going to be there. Right. Um, I know Christy moan will be there from dirty Kansas. So that like, I have immediately a buddy. Uh, so I think it'll be all right. I, Cause it's, it's bound to be windy. It's bound to be whatever. It's always nice to at least find some people to hang with. Um, uh, they give you a paint stick in your swag bag. I'm told. <laughs> so I will, I will have, I will have something to clear the mud. Should I need something to clear the mud? Um, I was listening to another podcast. I can't remember whose it was. Have you used the? Um, it's the stuff. is called Goop. G U P. It's like, um, nope. do you know what? I, do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. It's a sealant and a CO2 in one. Oh. So yeah. So it shoots. It's kind of like a ty- like a car tire thing, where you shoot the stuff right into the tire <laughs> to inflate, and then hopefully whatever it is that isn't catching like seal like it works best obviously for smaller things but (laughs) i might see if i can get my hands on that and practice i don't usually have trouble but i i I don't the whole fixing flats thing is always in the back of my mind and it takes me like 20 minutes on a good day so i'm trying to like figure anything (laughs) i can uh
0: is there yeah, is so there much in the way of rock or other things that can cause flats there?
1: I don't think so. But I think the problem is that when it does get kind of wet, things adhere more. It's the same kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where you are a little bit more, you know, you could run into some stuff sticking and stabbing and all that with your tires. So I'm just sort of like making a little light list as I go of things to consider, get familiar with, consider packing. Uh, I've been taking advantage of the, uh, winter we've been having so far here in my neck of the woods, which has been, uh, I'd call it solidly in the wet mattress zone.
0: Wet mattress. That's a new yes. one. Yes. Please wet, ma- mattress. Okay. Well, Webster says.
1: In, in the wet, in the wet mattress zone of the weather forecast it's when it's always just maybe in the high thirties and kind of, you know, so it's frozen and it's thawed and it's wet. So riding anywhere off-road is akin to riding on a soggy mattress? Oh. Yeah. You know, Okay. Okay. You know that feeling. You uh-huh. sink in, you fritter away a bunch of watts, you don't make a lot of forward progress. That was the your loose legs.
0: gravel at uh at the Tour de Place Roubaix recently. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Your legs load up like <laughs> a lot. <laughs> right. You know the, the sensations. So the funny thing is, is that when I have because I remember when I was training for Kansas every time I went out and it was super windy. I'm like, this is a gift. this is a gift. this is me this is a gift helping me train. So right now I'm just like, this is a gift this uh this sponge of earth that I'm riding on <laughs> is uh is an opportunity to have real specificity in my rides and to see how uh you know my gear holds up i I feel I feel a little ahead of the curve coming off of the 150 miles in Florida. I would you know hope. which is which is <laughs> yeah it's nice it's a, it's uh i've always been i know you're surprised by that but i've always been a bit of a february flyer i like always come into the season very enthusiastic and ready to go so it was kind of nice to have that january event and it's kind of nice now to have this march event mm-hmm. because it just gives it, it just like helps me focus all this energy that i have that would otherwise just be going into nothing you know but like strava <laughs> um <laughs> which is kind of useless. Dialing back the gym work to about once a week, trying to ride one harder ride, one longer ride on the weekend. I've been doing that for a while. been single speeding a lot uh, lately, which for variety, because I like it, but also I find that it just builds that. I can't force myself to do big gear work like, like a single speed does. Uh You know, I mean, you could fake it, but I never do. So uh, that's been, that's been helpful. Going to really practice my nutrition because I I have all these, like I talked about last week. I have this Tailwind stuff, I have this Morton stuff, I have all these new fangled, new generation liquid nutrition products that seem to work better than the previous generations for my belly (laughs) and are really super convenient to use. So I'm uh I'm dialing in those. And all that I'm pretty confident about. The place where everything unravels for me and always has is uh oddly enough, it's gear. Because I'm so, my brain is so focused on the internals of me <laughs> and the training of me that I have a really, and I don't, my I don't like the logistics of gear. So I, I don't focus on that enough, but I have recognized after showing up to many event with the wrong thing that you can train all you want. But if you have the wrong tires, uh, you might not just be as successful as, <laughs> as you would have been, yep. it, you'll, You'll have your own day, but it won't be the day that maybe you were hoping for. Um, so I'm thinking about that. I'm 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 trying to be better about it. Doing some research, you know. I know people who swap out their stuff for almost like any condition. They're like, oh, they look at the weather, they look at the course, and they're swapping tires. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're swapping cassettes. They're swapping all kinds of stuff. I'm swapping nothing. <laughs> it's you.
0: Yeah, no, I'm so, I'm one of those. Yeah. Sorry,
1: I was going to ask you about that, like how I don't even, I'm such a, I'm such a second guesser. I'm so happy with my Schwalbe G one all rounders. I've written them to everything and I haven't changed them at all, except when they're threadbare and then I change them again. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll do a little more research, but I don't know. Like wh- what is your approach? <laughs> like what <laughs> do you have a system? <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, you know me. I'm a total right brain creative. So, no, it's not systematic. <laughs> it is considered, and it may employ its own internal logic. But I'm not going to claim it's anything anyone else could follow. Oh, so, good. So, <laughs> 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 I'm reassuring <Can't>, you now. <laughs> stop this
1: conversation right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, like with low gap a couple weeks ago, I knew it was going to be wetty once muddy once we hit the dirt. And so I just looked for remind me, was that mountain bike or a gravel bike gravel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a gravel event. And I knew that I needed clearance because it was going to be muddy, but yep. I also knew I needed knobs to get me through the mud. Yeah. But I didn't want to give up tubeless. So right. the knobby cyclocross tires I had. I knew I wouldn't be able to run because they're for tubes. They're not tubeless. Hmm. Um, And I wasn't, I didn't find out that it was going to be muddy early enough to talk to any manufacturers and say, hey, send me your tubeless knobbiest cyclocross tires and I'll be able to review them after this weekend. There just wasn't enough time to make that call. So I looked around at all the different things I had and I just found the tire that had what seemed to be the greatest space between the itty bitty knobs because it's a gravel Mm -hmm. tire. And that was the... Uh that was the Explorer MSO um from Yeah, from Donnelly. And mm-hmm. I I've ridden that. I mean, I rode that tire at Dirty Kanza. I've ridden it all sorts of stuff. I love that tire. And mm.
1: uh Is it durable?
0: Yeah. Yeah, mm. it is. Um oh wait, wait, wait. No, I did go with something smaller. 35, the oh, that's right. No, that tire had been on there, but because it was a 40, I needed to go with something smaller. I rode that, I rode the Explorer MSO weekend before last at the Tour de Place Roubaix. I rode the Gravel King SK in the 35 millimeter width at low Mm. gap because I wanted a narrower tire. And, you know, as long as it wasn't too muddy, I was doing okay. But once it really got slick, I remember at one point, half of each pedal stroke was a tire spin.
1: Mm. And It doesn't get you very far.
0: It's it's slowish. It is slowish, yes, <laughs> and humbling. <laughs> yeah, but you know, considering the tires that I had on hand, that's that was kind of what seemed to be my best choice. And given everything that that turned out like the way I had clown shoes for a while from stomping around in mud, mm-hmm. I think that the thirty five millimeter tire was better than the forty. So for you. I mean, I have some familiarity with that style of mud the, the, with the red clay and mm-hmm. just how sticky it is. Mm-hmm. And my, you know, one of the great things is you actually have kind of okay traction in it because it's sticky. Right. So shedding is the bigger issue. And so in your case, I would be more concerned about tire clearance because you, you've got to be going a certain right. speed to have enough centrifugal force for the tire to shed the dirt. Oh, I'm familiar. Uh, right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. So I would go with something on the narrower side. I don't have a lot of experience riding in Oklahoma, but I grew up in the mid South Memphis, uh, mm-hmm. a little ways East of there. And while the mud tends to be a little different there, there's not a lot of rock in, in that sediment. Right. And so, right. so- you can run crazy low pressures and not worry about flats. Mm-hmm. I I used to mountain bike with 7 psi in my tires. Holy crap. This is 26 by 1.75. 7 psi. Tubes. Tubes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't arrive uh, at through any scientific I methodology. Speak. I just checked my pressure one day and thought, you know, they seem a little, a little soft. <laughs> maybe I should. And there were seven, you know, and that was after wow. one, one stroke of the pump. That's crazy. Mm, maybe, maybe. Uh, but it did help with the limited traction I had there on the, uh, the Wolf River trails. Okay. I'm not advocating that for you. Let me back up. (laughs) I'm not. I don't think I could ever do that by psychologically. Um, I will say though, that you can run a much, much lower pressure in gravel tires than most folks think.
1: I know. I know. And you have to get comfortable with that. I have, I have such a hard time with the squirm. I really struggle with it.
0: Well, and that's probably, you know, Where where your your pressure should be is just high enough to avoid squirm. The one problem is the faster you're going, the more, you know, the more force you've got, uh, the more energy stored in you and the bicycle and you go into a turn at some point you're going to get squirm, you know? Yeah. And and so you got to give some thought to what are the highest speeds I'm going to hit? It's Oklahoma. It's not super, super hilly. You're not going to hit 40 miles an hour on something. Most likely. So you can go a little lower than you might say in Pennsylvania.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. H- have you ridden the G ones? Do you, are you familiar with it? I have.
0: Uh, yeah, I've I've ridden them on a couple of review bikes, and it's a really really nice tire. I can't come up with any significant reason for you not to run that, unless that uh, unless the clearance between the tire and the frame is of some issue.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, I mean I don't think it would be I I there's a lot of clearance on my on my upper. I mean there's a lot if if I if I pack up I'm going to pack up on anything, quite frankly, cuz <laughs> you know, there'll be small rodents in there and everything. Like it, it, it there's a lot of there's a lot of clearance. Yeah. So yeah, it's just things to think about. This is the stuff that is this is the stuff that is definitely harder for me to uh to wrap my head around. And I have said many times and I think I'm just going to I'm just going to spearhead it myself because we've been talking about having a gravel camp that I think a big service at a gravel camp would be to have an envy and have a bunch of tires and let people I think I've said this before like let people run different treads run different t- pressures and just see what it feels like.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's it's a ba- it's a really untapped thing for most people. I believe that very firmly.
0: And if you can find, you know, some different, not so much terrain, but some different surfaces to ride mm-hmm, on so that mm-hmm, you feel mm-hmm. it on looser gravel on hard. Totally. Tack, on, it's yeah. not that
1: hard to do. I mean, you can find a stretch of road that has all that stuff mm-hmm. pretty easily.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I think I think that's a pretty terrific idea.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, most, I, I, most people aren't
0: optimized there. I'm, I'm convinced of it. I, I totally agree. Uh, it's funny. I mean, I'll see... I'll see like the Bay Area roadies at a, a Grasshopper, and you know you you see some dirt on jerseys from time to time. And I've I've more than one occasion I've overheard conversations where they're like I I only ran sixty psi in my tires. It's like mm. <laughs> yeah yep. okay uh, we we might want to talk about that
1: yeah you still see that yeah Mm -hmm. you still see that at quite a quite a few things i'm like that might be a little high (laughs) yeah there's
0: there's not a circumstance in which i'm running north of 50 psi at a gravel event ever i don't care how small the tire is
1: yeah no i don't i don't either and i'm i know i could go lower than i do because i like i'll be talking to some like pretty big guys are like yeah i got 30 i'm like i need to go down i need to have some (laughs) i need to lower my psi oh yeah
0: i mean like the the explorer mso from from donnelly that i was mentioning earlier i keep wanting to say clement uh sorry don (laughs)
1: yeah
0: that tire in most circumstances unless i know i'm dealing with like really sharp rock and other stuff and even then i'll still pretty pretty well stay low it's got to be Chunkier, where you're more risking a pinch flat than a cut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With that tire, I will run thirty two psi front, thirty four rear. And I uh, know I could get away with less, but yeah. but at that pressure, I'm still getting what feels like reasonable rolling on the road. And since yep. I almost never do anything that is a hundred percent dirt, yep, that's a you know I think I could probably take that tire down to twenty five at my weight and wow. not really have any problems.
1: I, so interesting.
0: I, man, I did get tire squirm on something I rode recently. I think I was in Annadel on one of the fire roads and I was riding the Gravel King SKs and I got a little tire squirm in the front tire on a descent. And I was so pleased with myself because I didn't completely flip out when it happened. That All was right. the sort of thing that used to give me a pucker factor of like 56 on a scale of one to 10. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't love it either. <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah. that is it's definitely a difficult thing to get on top of in terms of the sort of feedback that doesn't cause you to freak out.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think cyclocross racers are way more comfortable with that, <laughs> right? They just run such ridiculous pressures. But yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, well, we have more conversations, I'm sure, as I wrap my head around this. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Food well, for, food for thought. I envy you the the trip down there.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. I haven't. Uh, you know, I, I'm. This is the year I'm trying to see a lot of new stuff. So, I got one down and another one up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Okay, we're going to take a short break for our sponsor Shimano, and we'll be right back. At Shimano, we love riding, and we know you do too. As a small repayment for all the joy your bike has brought your life, we encourage you to maintain your bike regularly. Genuine Shimano replacement parts will keep your Shimano-equipped bike running smoothly. Whether your bike is built with 105, XTR, or our new gravel group, GRX, a well-maintained bike will operate better and go faster. Worn out a chain? Consider that a badge of honor. You've been riding a lot. Does it sound like metal on metal when you hit your rim brakes? That's a sign it's time for new brake shoes. What if your disc brakes don't feel as crisp as they used to? Cool. You've been going fast. Give them a bleed. Does your chain skip on smaller cogs? You're using all your gears and now your cassette is shot. Is that old saddle creaking? It may be fatigued because of all the miles you've put in. Consider a saddle from Shimano's Pro line of components. And what about your feet? Cleats can and do wear out, especially the right cleat if you're a cyclocross racer. Whether it is the plastic cleat on a road shoe or or metal SPD cleat they can and do wear out. To keep that love burning bright, show your bike a little TLC and take it by your nearest Shimano dealer to keep it running just like when it was new.
1: Okay, we are back with the Pace
0: Line, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick, what do you got for us this week? <laughs> uh, my pull that I'm about to take is going to be, let's call it straight into a headwind and uh, right. will humble me something like a gale. <laughs> Hmm. All right, here goes. So last Friday, I drove down to Silicon Valley. My old UMass cycling teammate, Sean Morrissey, and his wife, Mm -hmm. Dr. Tiffany Gorman, own and run Silicon Valley Sports Medicine in Campbell, California. He is effectively, well, he doesn't like saying CEO, so he's director of operations. I mean, seriously, he like runs the operation. He's the facilities manager. He's the office manager. When something that doesn't involve medicine happens, he's the guy who runs it all. And I've known him for almost 30 years. No, no, I have. I've known him 31 years at this point. Yeah. Wow. You know, dynamite guy and knows what it means to be fast and also knows what it means to like get big and not not cycling fit. So he knows Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Among the many diagnostics that Silicon Valley sports medicine offers is a resting metabolic test.
1: I've had a few of
0: them. Okay. Well, Sean and I had spoken about this on more than one occasion, and it, it was kind of just a standing invitation. Come down, see them, you know, and so I did. I finally scheduled a time, drove down last Friday and sat down in a chair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it's simple enough, right? The test, recline in a chair, put a mouthpiece in your mouth. The mouthpiece is connected to a hose that runs to an analyzer, and then that sends data to a PC that spits out a report. So it's analyzing expelled gases. You could probably Mm -hmm. tell us more about what it's analyzing in terms of percentage of carbon dioxide and whatever else.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's that is, it it won't bring anything to the table though. I mean, it really is just seeing how, how, what your metabolic rate is based on like how much oxygen you're taking in and, burning Mm -hmm. and then what co2 you're putting out it's it's pretty
0: simple okay so it takes between 10 and 20 minutes i'm told generally it was 17 for me i don't know maybe there was something funky about my breathing after the test was complete i you know they print out the sheet i'm given my results uh and that included my absolute resting metabolic rate this is Mm -hmm. the number of calories i would burn if i chose to stay in bed all day then there was the second number stay alive yes then there's mm-hmm. the second number, which represents how many calories I burn in a typical day with no exercise, just moving about, doing my business. And then there was a third number that represents how many calories I'd burn in a typical day with exercise. But this <laughs> quote unquote exercise is like a long walk at best, nothing mm-hmm. like what I'd burn in a two or three hour ride.
1: Now, do, do you know if they're, if they're, if they're giving you those numbers based on formulas, it sounds like it almost must be a formula in the system. It's got to be some is sort of formula. It's just like, yeah. it's a percentage because there's a Harris-Benedict equation that just figures all that. Like it's a certain percentage, you know, higher based off of so much activity, based off of whatever. So it's the only way I think that they could possibly give that. It's an it's a estimation with a formula. But anyway, go ahead.
0: Um. Well, here here's the audience participation point. Uh, oh, okay. Would you care to guess what my number was for my basal metabolic rate? The stay alive number.
1: Um, not knowing your body composition is hard because body composition affects that. Body composition affects it. Genetics affects it. Age affects it. So many different things affect it. Uh, I've had it done and it was around 1900. So I would guess you're probably somewhere in that ballpark. 2000 calories. No. Yeah, that's a that's that's a healthy meta, resting metabolic rate.
0: Uh, it was news to me, <laughs> like like <No>. shocking. <laughs> so yeah, that's before I even get out of bed. Yeah, here's the thing: I've been operating with the belief that my daily need, given age, loss of muscle mass, you know, the mm-hmm. fact that there's not a whole lot of Patrick, I've been operating with the belief that my need was for about fifteen hundred calories a day.
1: Hmm. No, that's too low. Well, (laughs) as it turns out, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm just wildly wrong or was wildly wrong. (laughs) Worse was that I thought that my daily need included basic activity.
1: You thought 1500 included basic activity? Yeah. Like,
0: you know, just, yeah. Walking around through my day. That sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, wildly wrong. Uh, I'm for once in my life, I'm almost dead center in the bell curve of men for, you know, kind of my size and oh, interesting. weight. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. off by 2% from the average. Hmm. Me center of the bell curve. who to thunk? <laughs> 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 but considering I've been trying to lean out for quite some time, because my body composition is north of 15% fat. I've been trying to figure out why that hasn't been happening. Aside from the fact that I won't completely give up alcohol. I'll probably do it again for a few weeks coming up sometime soon, but. Man, wine, come on, wine, good beer. And Kirk, life is life is short. Yeah. So but I, you know, a little less Patrick wouldn't hurt. Um, <laughs> but it turns out that any time my calorie count goes low enough for me to actually lose weight, I'm mostly just catabolic.
1: Yep. And that's not productive.
0: Oh, well, I'm picking up on that now. <laughs> 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 so uh, this is where I have to admit, you know, here I am, this host of a podcast about cycling, and I'm embarrassed to say that I have no idea what's going on with my own diet. Yeah, but it's not about physiology,
1: right? I mean, you could you could tell me yaw angles or some such crap, but like, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it's that those are these are different things. We just had a discussion of like, I'm on the other side of that spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, yeah. Yes, together Uh, we make a full bicycle rider.
0: uh, Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're reasonably competent when you put the two of us together. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) So my buddy Sean told me not to be surprised, considering how often most people are surprised by the result. The thing is, usually it's the exact opposite of what I experienced. For most people, they are eating more calories than are necessary Mm -hmm. and need Mm -hmm. to back off. I did a little research. And learned that 96% of the population falls between 1,680 calories and 2,320 calories per day in terms of their need with basic activity. Okay? Uh, That's before Mm -hmm. basic activity. Okay? Okay. okay. That's a range of a bit more than 500 calories. And if you noticed, 2,000 calories is right about the sweet spot between the two for an average human being. So it also begs the question of how did I come up with a number that was so far off? What did I read in my past that made me think something that convinced me that I only need 75% of the calories that I actually need?
1: I'm not 100% sure, to be honest
0: with you. Um, Mostly because... It certainly wasn't anything you wrote.
1: (laughs) No, no, (laughs) that... Or a or a food label. I mean, most of the the, the labeling is based off of a two thousand calorie day need. And that's based off of a hundred fifty pound man, honestly. Which is right um, about what I am. I'm yeah.
0: Moving right along.
1: <laughs> so well, no, that's fine. I'm not trying to make you feel dense. That's yeah. not my that's not my point. I understand. Like it's but it's easy. Who knows? You could have read anything and that just stuck into your head and that's it's not it's not unreasonable. My, I think my larger question, I have calories are, I wish we'd, I wish we'd discover something else, but that's all we've got because calories are so problematic. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it's not a one size fits all. A calorie is not oh a calorie. is not a calorie.
1: Well, it, okay, exactly. And it's so hard, you know, I mean, they're, they're trying, but but the message is just too complicated to make simple, you know, like, when you eat protein, it raises your thermic effect of food, so you're you're burning off calories that you take. You know, if you eat two hundred, you're burning off a certain percentage of those just to digest it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're not actually getting those calories. You know, the opposite is true of very easily to digesting. If you eat a Twinkie, you're getting all those calories, right? <laughs> None of them are going anywhere else, and they they and the what the composition of your food triggers different enzymes and and you know the whole thing is so so complicated but do you do you count calories i mean have you been actually i you you know you have this misconception that's one thing (laughs) but what what actions has it led you to take is another
0: well there was a time a few years ago where i kind of hit what i thought was uh a working model for my diet we'll call it you know stick stick within this and you'll kind of maintain it's it's enough for you to go and i was wrong okay let's just let's get in front of this whatever that thing was i was wrong and Mm -hmm. so now i went and reloaded the under armor my fitness pal which is Mm -hmm. uh that was part of what was map my fitness while it was Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. map my fitness now it's under armor uh and so I went and the last time I'd used a calorie tracker was uh, 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. Yeah. And they were pretty wonky. I mean, it was an app on my phone, but mm-hmm. it was pretty clunky. And the MyFitnessPal is wildly sophisticated. You can put in name brand foods. I mean, that, mm-hmm. of course, indicates that it's probably processed. That's a separate issue.
1: Right. But- Right. But
0: you can put in all sorts of foods and many of them are already there in terms of what their calorie count is, what the serving size is. And so it's very simple to update your food diary on what you've eaten. And so, you know, match that against what your activity level is and what your daily calorie count is. And so I began doing that this week and quickly realized that, you know, yeah, just two glasses of wine really can completely throw off any sort of target for calories. Hmm. I mean, it, I knew that. I knew that. But to see it in black and white once again, it's like, yeah, well, that's why you're not really losing any weight. And also why you've progressively lost strength over the last, say, five years. Probably longer.
1: Well, y- I don't know that that's the wine's fault.
0: I oh, mean, you have No, but but being being chronically catabolic in my diet.
1: Oh, right, right, right. But uh, I mean, also when you get 50 especially anywhere, you know, for some everyone loses muscle at a different rate. Almost everybody starts by 40. <laughs> by 50, that that process accelerates quite a bit. Um and it's uh have you strength trained
0: so i'm working on my schedule to figure out (laughs) when i can start hitting the exercise room here at our complex
1: i think you could see you you might be able to not get as hung up about like having a wine or whatever if like you go back into the gym like it yeah um putting getting muscle maintaining muscle all of that is uh is is super important for this whole meta- metabolic process.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, so I actually listened to your polls and it's been something that's uh, on my mind and just trying to figure out where in my day I can make that fit.
1: Totally get it. Yeah, totally get it. But
0: it, uh, I'll revisit this, this little thing in a bit, but yes, I actually listened to your polls. And so <laughs> I've- <laughs> I've been looking at, you know, where- I see you. You look like you're listening. <laughs> just- my eyes weren't closed. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I have, I have a way to do this, you know, and I've been looking at some different things about, well, if I narrow it down to what I can get done in, you know, a half an hour, 45 minutes.
1: It, that's well, honest to God, all you need. I think the biggest problem the biggest problem, and I've said this a million times, and I'm just going to keep drilling it in. It really doesn't take that much to make strength. Like the, the research is incredibly conclusive that even one set of exercises helps. But like the fitness industry can't profit off of that. And I'm part of it. So like when you go to a gym, that that person can't give you a 15 minute, like it. you'll feel like you haven't paid for anything. Right. And I believe there's a really big problem there. I, re- I always have. Like you really, you don't need to be there for an hour, an hour. You really don't like, yes, you should warm up. That's legit. There's things you should do that, that do take a little time, you know, going into it. Mm-hmm. But you do not need more than a handful of exercises done a handful of times. That is a hundred percent true. I
0: can't, I can't fault the fitness industry for wanting health clubs to become a lifestyle center a place oh, yeah, a place no. of culture that draws people in and keeps them there
1: i i can't either you know
0: i mean talk to me about downsides to that right there's you know what's the harm in having people spend an hour well, because
1: people feel like they have to right that, that that that's a barrier it's not so much the people who are already in mm-hmm. and like they're enjoying the whatever yeah it's the it's the barrier of it it if I can't do this, I might as well do nothing. You know, there's a lot of that. If I, it's not worth it if I, if I can only do, and that is so not true with strength. Like if it might be true with like building a base of fitness, you know, Mm -hmm. it does take more time for sure to build those capillary beds, to do all that stuff. That is an investment of time that there's hard, it's hard to shortcut it, but when it comes to strength, it is really efficient like it 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 works very quickly it doesn't if you want if you want like to be a bodybuilder yes you need to be working you know 8 to 10 reps for whatever sets and blah 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 but if you're just looking to like re- remake those connections that are have fallen asleep from disuse and get your neuromuscular fitness back and make some strength and then yes you know, foster some muscle tissue. It does not take that much. I I, I could scream that from the rooftops. It's really doesn't Yeah. like go do a set of squats and see how you feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you've done something, your muscles know you've done something. Right. Like it doesn't, it really doesn't take that much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I'm, I'm figuring it out. I I might start trying to do it before my boys actually get up in the morning. I've been rising pretty early
1: and it's, that is yeah. the best time before I mean it's it's getting out of bed's the hardest part mm-hmm. of that right mm-hmm. but again like twice a week you don't even have to go go twice a week yeah y- you know like that that'll that'll do it
0: yeah so it's uh it's on it's one of the top items on my to-do list is figuring yeah. that, yeah. No, that I think out in my schedule
1: for what you're talking about you will see rewards bear much more quicker than sitting there with with your Geeky apps and trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to track all that stuff. <laughs> just getting to the gym. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. It's it was a really welcome wake up call.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, it's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's that stuff is always interesting. I uh, I did one of those in a bod pod, which is the whole thing. Oh. You know, like yeah, where you just pretty much sit in skivvies and in and in a swim cap and its It just captures like every it gives you everything it gives you your body composition and your metabolic rate and all the the whole thing that was it was super interesting but
0: wow, yeah I'm curious though when you did that, the resulting data that you had it was only a refinement to what you basically already knew about yourself based on your previous knowledge, correct
1: yes, yeah, yeah, I mean the first time I got my what- what you had done was quite a few years ago. Um, Jay Kearney did it at the uh, USA cycling, the the Colorado Springs, the, the Olympic training center. Um, and it was nine, it was 1900 then. And it, it hasn't moved down a whole, whole lot. You know, I mean, I, I, I think if I did it now, I mean, I definitely have had some, especially uh, at that point I was doing a lot of swimming too. So I even had more upper body uh-huh. muscle. You know, and that that's diminished some. So I I imagine it would be a few ticks down. But uh, yeah, I'm a I mean, everybody who knows me knows I'm a huge fan of just like tuning in to oneself. And, you know, I know that's not always easy, but I try to like just. Pay attention to what I uh, what feels like it's working for me and hone in on that stuff, but. It's good to get. It's good to have some data, too, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I was ready for a course correction, obviously. And (laughs) the resulting information proved that I needed the course correction. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was super educational. I was also amazed because, I mean, there was another woman there in her 50s who got hers done and her metabolism was way off. She was I want to say it was the bottom 25th percentile her basic need was 1,360 calories.
1: I was going to guess that when you said it was low, I was going to guess 1,300. And that's just such a bummer. <laughs> it's just, I feel bad for her. You know, but some of that is, some of that is genetic. I mean, some of that is just, you know, there's so many things that go into that, but yeah, you don't have a whole lot of leeway mm-hmm. um, when, you're, when your metabolic rate is that low.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the thing was, it, it proved to me that, it's a it can be a really useful piece of information to get, so yeah, 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 cool, yeah, righty,
1: oh paceline picks, sure, um, mine is just i'm not sure it was a pick, maybe it's a pick, just something that was on my mind, and I thought it would it would i've been reading a one way ticket what is that have you are you nope. it is uh Jonathan vadder's oh uh uh-huh. memoir that has come out um that's not the whole title. It's like one-way ticket, nine lives on two wheels. Oh. Uh, is the whole. Because it was based off, you ever read that, um, he wrote a column in Vela News many moons ago, I, before he came fully clean, mm-hmm. but very much, if you read between any of the lines, and it did not take much reading between the lines, I mean, it, it was definitely a confessional of sorts, mm-hmm. and basically said, see you in hell. You know, it was like a one-way ticket <laughs> for every, it was, it was a, it was a pretty rough read. Um, so I was kind of interested. I, I, you know, I know people have various opinions of, of him and whatnot. And I don't, I don't have any personal experience with him, but I've always sort of found him an interesting character. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely quirky. You know, he definitely has beat, walks to his own drummer kind of thing. Uh, so I was, I was interested to pick it up and it's, it's funny. It's very, in many ways, it's a very predictable story. You know, it's the wide eyed, innocent boy that goes, it gets into the sport, goes to Europe, gets the whatever awakening you want to call it, yep. you know, the frog goes into the water, the water slowly heats up. Then, then the frog is in the soup with everybody else. I mean, it's, it becomes very, it follows that it's interesting. I am finding it interesting to, to hear his, cause every, you know, everyone has their own truth, so to speak in, in what happened. Yeah. You know, so I've read <laughs> Tyler's book. I've read all the, uh, pretty much everyone else's books. Um, so it's interesting to get his point of view it's it becomes more interesting even when it delves into um, the Garmin stuff, the slipstream stuff, him running the team. Uh-huh. You know, I think that's I think that alone almost makes it worth a read because we don't get much of that in the in the daily in the daily media fodder. Yeah, you know, I mean, we we yeah.
0: I mean, certainly that's like that's what I would find interesting because there are a lot of accounts of writers dealing with him. And how much they really disliked dealing with him. They liked him immensely as a guy. And then when it came time (laughs) for the negotiations, they wanted to kill him.
1: Uh, Yeah, you you hear quite a bit of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Um, so I would love to read his side of it. Uh, He's a thoughtful guy, you know, very cerebral. Uh, I've interviewed him a few different times. I enjoy him immensely, Uh, but I am aware that he can be aloof in a way that cats aspire to. You know, it's a thing. It's definitely a thing. Uh, I've, I've heard his sponsors comment on it, you know, and that's probably not somebody you want commenting on how aloof you are.
1: Right, right.
0: So I, well, cool. I'm, I'm interested to check the book out. Yeah, no, yeah. I think you should definitely pick it up. I think I could see myself like reading the first two or three chapters, then skipping a few in the middle. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but it's 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 energy I, I don't think you would I, I it's it's just uh you know seeing through his lens is interesting just because for for whatever it's worth it's it's it is fully his story you know he was kind of an outcast runt you know like yep. small guys just never you know just it it's interesting you know his family life was was interesting like it, it's a that whole the first half of the book goes very quickly because it's a it's it's like a sweet box of white wine. Like it's just a very, <laughs> I think it just goes down very quickly. Um, but and then it gets a little darker, you know. But it's, uh, yeah. I think I, I'd, I'd be interested to see your thoughts once you, you would read it in in two nights. I mean,
0: it, it's very quick. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I gotta see if I can get to it then. Yeah. So uh, before we get to my pick, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know how earlier I said that I actually listen to your polls and whatnot.
1: You, I, you did. You mentioned that. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So our listeners aren't the only people who listen to your picks. I bought an instant pot earlier this week.
1: Oh, good for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And have you used it? I have. I have. Uh, I made a Franken meal the the night I brought it home. Um, I love Franken meals. What did you do? uh, Rice, beans, chicken, tomato sauce. They were four things that I thought I could get in my boys, and uh-huh. would be healthy for me too. Yep. Which is a uh, that Venn diagram has a very small circle in the middle.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, I understand,
0: <laughs> um, but you know, I I threw it all in there and timed it to start, you know, the next afternoon, and mm-hmm. uh, opened it up and realized, well, it actually needs a little bit more time, and changed a setting, and came back mm-hmm. a half an hour later and. Voila, we had dinner and then began the negotiation of trying to get said food into the boys because, I mean, I'd cooked something. It didn't come out of a package. Right. And right. that's been really tough with these guys. Uh, they have Did it work? Well, OK. Now, the funny thing is, my oldest does really like vegetables and fruit. And the only thing he wanted for dinner that night was corn on the cob. that's the dinner he wanted, corn on the cob. And I'd say, well, your choices are you can go to the bathroom and brush your teeth and get ready for bed, or you can eat this food that I made. Those are your choices. What do you choose? I want corn on the cob. That's not one of the choices. Finally, after, I don't know, 20 minutes of negotiating, I said, okay, how about this? You eat a small bowl of what I made, Mm -hmm. and I'll let you have some corn on the cob. Cause suddenly I've realized, oh, that's an even better meal than just what I made. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, and it was like very. It was a very subdued, low energy nod, but it was a nod. <laughs> that's all right. So I go and I get him a bowl, and then my six year old comes over, and he said, you know, is something like, is what Philip's having good. And I was like, well, I can make a very, very small bowl of it for you and you can try that. And then he nodded. And pretty soon they were both eating my food. And that's amazing. And yeah, it was just awesome. And I got the six quart version that's like multi, Mm -hmm. multi programmable. Yeah, I have that. And so I've got some serious leftovers and... Uh the six-year-old and I are gonna have that tonight. Uh Matthew uh was I talked to him about it. He's ready to have more. And I am That is an excellent thing. I'm so phenomenally stoked about this.
1: It is when you get real comfortable with those Franken meals, it they are amazing. Like I was in a huge rush the other night and I took I had um mango habanero chicken sausages, not cooked. They were they were from the deli. And I had a bag of frozen corn, a bag of frozen peas and a can of coconut milk. And I just chopped up the sausages and threw it all in and hit soup. And I left. (laughs) Yeah. And I came back and it was amazing. I didn't have to do anything else like the because the spice of the sausage infiltrated the milk and everything was. And I cooked some like egg noodles or something and just like we had everyone's like this is amazing i'm like yes it is <laughs> and it took me no thought so and i like to cook but sometimes it's just like there's no you know i can't do what i like to do right and it it's amazing what it does
0: yeah, yeah. i even I bought a, a cookbook though there's an there's an no, authorized yeah they have yeah
1: there are there are quite a few but no it, it will help because you know just to like get the gist of what you can do, but I, they are chilly, super easy. Chi- like it's just makes stuff so easy. Yeah.
0: I am beyond stoked about this. So
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So cool. thanks for that pick a year or more ago. Yeah. Well, you know, it takes some time, but that's all right. <laughs> I catch up on occasion. <laughs> yeah. Well, so for my pick, even though it didn't rain at the tour de Place Bay and hadn't rained for close to a week prior to the event, I figured there were still going to be some wet spots on the course. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think myself more prepared than cynical. <laughs> <laughs> that might be doubtful, but you know, I'm going with that. Um, but that's to say that I ran the Blackburn splashboard fender off my seat post and kept my butt dry and my very white jersey mud free. As a seat post mounted fender, it offers more coverage than those little under the saddle deweys mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, really that'll that'll keep your chamois dry and not much else.
1: Yeah, that's all that really does. Yeah.
0: And, and to be fair, I mean Which is fine. That's which all, is fine. That's a big gain. Yeah. That's yeah. It's a wonderful yeah. thing. Um but you know, these it sits somewhere between those little things and then the more traditional full coverage complete fender. Uh so what I'm noticing consistently is that it keeps everything above the knees pretty spotless and and dry. Okay. But, you know, anything below the knees and anything behind you, no, no. Mm -hmm. So if you really Mm -hmm. want to be considerate of the rider behind you and not be sending mud into their eyes or glasses, you need a a fuller coverage sort of fender. But, I mean, this thing's easy to put on. It's easy to take off. It weighs 230 grams. And, I mean, honestly, if you're getting concerned about how much your fender weighs, I don't know, maybe they... Talk to your doctor about right. Prozac. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you need, need something.
0: <laughs> um, and you know, it's adjustable enough that you can put it on everything from a really tiny French seat post all the way up to a big dropper post. And you know, like I said, it's easily adjusted. And I sort of am amazed that something this well made and useful is only twenty two dollars. It's
1: great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, those. Those are. Those are. uh if it was Christmas, it would be a good stocking stuffer. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. 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 Well, it wasn't wet yet. <laughs> yeah. Please tell your, your wives and husbands and whoever else bought for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All good. Yeah. And the other thing Valentine's I like.
1: Valentine's Day is coming up. Yeah. <laughs> like, and look, honey, I got you a Fender. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, another thing is it's actually really easy to toss in a travel case. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, no, that's, that's a good
0: thing. Yeah. Um, not. Not all fenders travel well, but that one really does. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's my pick. Well, everybody, that's another wrap on another episode of the Pace Line. Uh, Celine, we've got to touch base about that story <laughs> you did about the all the all the. I don't want to oh, call them crazed, Lord. but the, the Zwipters oh. who maybe uh, maybe want a little too much of a good thing.
1: My head was ready to like pop writing that thing. I, I can't even begin to tell you. I think, you know, it's it must be speaking of Venn diagrams. It's like people who are sort of addicted to cycling and exercise and people who are addicted to the whole gaming thing. Right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. in the middle are those people yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, for those who are not sure what we're talking about. I, Zwift Power was compiling. That's where we came across this. A bunch of stuff for a Wikipedia page of like people who have. Like Swift accomplishments or Swift feet, sorry, I'm not even sure you want to call them. But you know, the as of as of this writing, there is one guy, Tim Bacon Cyril, who has clocked more than ninety two thousand miles and on Swift and three million one hundred thirty eight feet of climbing on on Swift. And there are records. So the there was that guy. There was a single day record, which is a twenty four hour challenge, six hundred twenty two miles. Yeah.
0: It, holy cow day. what you, it uh, was something like a 25 mile per hour average
1: yeah you had to yeah, yeah you would have to i mean he must have just been there spinning like a hamster mm-hmm. for the whole time mm-hmm. i can't even uh the, there was like a single session like a single indoor training session which again is sort of you get so many breaks for so many hours but this guy did 116 hours which i can't remember how many day. like how many days does that it's, end up it's being?
0: into six days
1: Yes, yes, it's nearly six days for almost two thousand miles, and, which is mind-boggling. Yeah, uh, somebody who did a triple Everest, mm-hmm. and he also—I didn't write about it—he has a quadruple that's waiting. Um, oh,
0: like certification? Fruit, like,
1: yes, waiting certification. But he did, uh, Duncan Ross Duncan. He climbed one hill in London's course, which I haven't done. Box Hill, one hundred ninety-seven times. It's not that long. I, it can't be in 73 hours for 88,000 feet of climbing for three Everest things. And, and the last guy did Ram. He did a, he did a, he did a a simulated Ram (laughs) in 110 days in a shopping mall. So yes. All right. You might have a
0: problem if you are one of these people. (laughs) It's, it really is remarkable. And you know, the thing that, Anybody who hasn't done more than two hours on some sort of stationary device may not understand just how severely numb certain parts of your body can go. And even just how uncomfortable you are, Mm -hmm. like
1: you're locked in. I can't like my I'm never uncomfortable on my bike, but my back and wrists and hands and everything get uncomfortable on the trainer because you're just not moving. Mm -hmm. It's not moving with you. Yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine. Uh,
0: yeah. This would be where somebody say handling PR for Kurt kinetic kinetic would come yes. in uh, <laughs> and say, well, you know, there any is any of a- them. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, there's, they're starting to to have those trainers that, that rock a little bit or whatever, but even then, oh my Lord. Yeah. Uh, I don't.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, Hey, how about connective cool, uh, convective cooling and like maybe drying your shorts out as you ride.
1: Ugh, I can't. I don't even know. Yeah. But yes, there are some people who are really into Zwift.
0: It's, it's remarkable. I mean, yeah, just that, hey, this is the thing that I want to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. These are the records. Yeah. Takes all kinds. (laughs) My nanny used to say. (laughs) That's that's all I got for that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that, yeah. Similar to there's somebody for everybody. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly
0: thank heaven uh it would be yep. a boring world without without us outliers that a, outliers
1: <laughs> that is a fact
0: <laughs> all right everybody keep those questions coming you all have been sending some great stuff if you've got an idea please drop by rkp and put a suggestion in the comments don't forget our pacel- paceline kits from primal they're up in the rkp store before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for cyclists. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.